They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir. You thought we were going to sing, didn't you? You did. We're doing nothing but openings. <laughs> welcome, nothing but intros here. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. It's Thoughts That Rock, your favorite podcast. It's uh, where we exchange a couple pieces of uh, life-changing advice that we squeeze into however long we want to. That's right. That's how it works. You take it, and that's just how it is. Yeah. I think Christina's going to be a little bit disappointed we didn't start singing a little... John Bon Jovi, but that's well. You know what? She she could have done it. She she wanted to believe it. She or not. did. Yeah. Listen, this episode is going to be sponsored by Sync Golf, which is from our friend Tony McGee. Sync Golf is a brand dedicated to helping golfers of all skill levels look and feel and play their best every single time that they hit the course. The line of putter grips and other products will have your friends wondering, "Hey, when did you become so good at golf?" Hey. When did you become so good at Yeah, golf? you're wondering that at me, right? I was wondering that completely. I need Sync Golf, apparently. <laughs> you should check them out. Their social media handles at Sync Golf, or you can visit their store today at SyncGolf.com. Listen, Thoughts That Rock helps support CKC. They're awesome. Cannibal Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who've run out of options. Please check them out and how you can get involved on CannonballKidsCancer.org. Yeah. And if you like the show, just... Take a take a beat, as they say. Is that a beat? I don't know. That's <laughs> all, all the cool kids do. They snap. So do they take a beat? They did in the sixties. In the sixties, yes. yes. Maybe it was later than that's that. when cool is. I don't know. But take a moment. Give us a five star rating if you mm-hmm. would. If you're not feeling the five stars, do us a favor. Keep it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Just go ahead and close out that Amazon. <laughs> close out the browser. Get out of the browser. You shouldn't be listening to it if that's the case because Amazon rules the world and those five stars help us uh, get in front of more eyeballs and earballs uh, and uh, help eventually... Helps us, uh, helps us get notifications. This just comes in. <laughs> oh, somebody just left us a five-star review. <laughs> That's, that, that was amazing. Ugly. That was perfect. That's amazing. Listen, we know how busy you are and grabbing those moments of wisdom that could really make your life better. Amp it up, we like to say. Those are super hard to come by. We totally get it, which is why it doesn't really matter what you're doing right now. Nope. For instance, yep. you could be, I don't know, placing pumpkins in a catapult. <laughs> Maybe you're participating in a grape stomping contest. Or maybe you're firing up the ceramic kiln. 
Apparently, Popeye was stomping on <laughs> Yeah, he was. <laughs> it's gonna be, it's you gonna ever be had you. that Popeye wine? Mmm, smells like feet. That's awesome. <laughs> Spinach feet. Uh, we just want to be the 30 minutes you've been looking forward to all week. Let's do it. Rock out. Our guest today is Christina Pater, who is an award-winning storyteller and consultant and developmental editor. She is really helping authors and speakers and executives just craft their message in very engaging and entertaining and impactful ways. And I could go on and on about some of the other cool stuff that she has shared with us. But first and foremost, Christina, welcome to Thoughts at Rock. Thank you so much. So fun to be here. We, uh, we're, we're thrilled that you're here. It's so funny when we were trying to get you on the show and I was uh, mentioning this to Brant. She's very aware that we do some crazy singing at the beginning. And she's like, can I choose some songs, like some, some Bon Jovi <laughs> tunes? And first it was, let's just all three of us sing together. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, I have to go and see what we have in our, our arsenal of Bon Jovi tunes. But That's right. I, I think now we have to make that as the uh, song of choice. I think we do. Let's pick an obscure Jovi tune. Ooh. Right? Intriguing. Okay. One that one that didn't get its day. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. We will have, obviously, uh, Christina's entire bio posted in the show notes, but just a few cool um, things that we wanted to point out. First off, she's a former journalist. She worked at NBC News and Tribune newspapers and covered business and lifestyle and entertainment. She uh, is also a feature film writer with an action thriller project in development. Not sure if she can talk about that or not, or we might be under an NDA brand. We're not mm-hmm. sure. She was previously the senior VP of marketing and research for Jones Lang LaSalle Hotels. And in that role, she really contributed to get this a $15 billion sale of the hotel real estate assets. Mm-hmm. She's been a spokesperson for Forbes and Financial Times and Wall Street Journal and Entrepreneur Magazine. You could go on and on and on. But really having a 20-year track record of increasing revenues through story-driven strategy, that's kind of really her jam. Uh, she's got two books, her best-selling book, Unbreakable Spirit. Had a great chapter on her work as an activist with the New York Fire Department on Ground Zero literally following the uh, the events right after 9-11. And now her latest book, which came out in January called The Hollywood Approach, shows you how to apply the principles of Hollywood screenwriting to real life and really live your wildest dreams. And again, we, we've known about Christina for a while on the uh, speaker and author circuit, and we're just, we're thrilled that she's here. Christina, I don't know how to tell you this, but I had a fourth page article in Hometown News in Brevard County, I, you know, Boom. I just wanted to let that be known. <laughs> Hot quite, diggity dog. Not mm-hmm. quite this resume. Close. But I think it was, I, I'm going to say a quarter page. Yeah. But I don't want to brag. You're kind of a big deal within five square feet. Look, Brevard, Brevard County, County. Brevard <laughs> County thinks, thinks a lot of me. And, and do, they, do they know Christina in Brevard County? No, so thank God. Because <laughs> I would have been the sixth page. Yes. <laughs> and I bet if you have grandparents or had grandparents in Brevard County, your article would be on their fridge and mine uh, wouldn't. Yes. Darn right. There. You're darn right. Darn like tootin'. That. That's back when there was these things called newspapers, kids. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. They don't have that anymore. That's right. So, Christine, I think, you know, we do things a little bit different. We're not doing the long interview style uh, where we're going to go deep into the background. Hopefully, I read off a, a few of those things for you. We just want to get right to the awesome piece of advice that our fans, our audience is really thirsting for. So, we're going to get right to the heart of the matter and leave the floor open to you. What is your thought that rocks? 
My thought that rocks is observe, not judge. That's hmm. just the opposite of what Jim does. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. And so let's begun. What are we, five minutes in? We're five minutes in. Yeah, tell us more about that. Well, this is something that st- has stuck with me since the very first time I heard it, probably in like 2002, 2003, back in the day when I lived in Chicago and had my roommate was a heat packing Texas debutante mm-hmm. and a managing director for a major company that whose name we would all know, but I'm not going to say it here. She had recently survived cancer mm. and came out on the other side with the loss of ability to have biological children. Her marriage uh, crumbled because her husband became uncertain about things. And we met shortly after I moved to this convergence of I moved to Chicago and all this stuff was going on in her life. And so what was just so interesting is this was such a dynamic time for both of us. And we decided, hey, we're both traveling all the time and all this kind of stuff. So why don't we pull resources and get a, this is probably too much backstory, but it's a fun part of it. Get a, you know, get an apartment together because we're both never there. So like, all right, great. Well, unfortunately, I'm the one in charge of real estate. So I have to dig deep all over the place. And I found instead of saving money, I think we spent the same, but we moved into this amazing penthouse. So we just moved into this like 2,400 square foot, two story, I mean, just crazy balls penthouse. So that's where we're living. The backdrop is the penthouse. I've got Anne, the heat packing Texas debutante as the roommate. She and and so we come home, you know, from work at the end of our long days and whatever else we're doing. And she was in therapy at the time to, um, you know, to help manage all these changes and all these just big things that were happening in her life. And I remember she came home one day and was talking about things and her therapist had told her to practice observing, not judging, observe, not judge. And so in her process of doing that about her her illness, her survival, her job, her now ex-husband, and all of the things. We just had this conversation about it, and it always stuck with me. And so fast forward now to almost, uh, what, 17 years later, um, or maybe almost 19 years later, I use this, I find myself using this all the time. I found that it is something that really stuck with me. So when we observe, we're getting more information then when we judge, judging is really limiting, right? It's, it's final, it's limiting, it's mm-hmm. constricting. Whereas observing is, it gives us more choices. It gives us, it ex, it's expansive. Um, and from those additional choices and additional information comes innovation. So I just find it really a more loving place to live both for myself and for others. And I find myself now, I use it with my writing clients all the time um, in their own writing as they're you know, observing, oh, this is bad or, or I can't do this or whatever. It's like, okay, let's observe what's going on rather than calling it bad or calling it terrible or something, putting a label on it, a judgment on it. Yeah. So I've just, I found in my own life that it, that it has the power to expand and, and just, open us up and find new conclusions, new choices. 
I think it's I think it's interesting how advice like this can start in the sort of least assuming places and go as high as you could possibly imagine. What I mean by that is, so on, on the lowest scale, I, I would equate something like this even to people watching, right? So if you're like me, I get to the airport early just so I can people watch, right? I just wanna, <laughs> I wanna watch what's happening. I wanna observe um, the different interactions going around just because I find it fascinating to, to sort of watch. And then I go all the way to the other side where a couple of years ago, uh, we had interviewed a former, uh, the former director of the CIA uh, for, the, for our book. And as we were talking to him, he was talking about the extent of which they would go to, to observe. And even when there wasn't an opportune place to do it, they went to the extent of building a building <laughs> across the street. Um, to provide them with the ability to observe because that information that they were able to get uh, ended up shutting down a, a huge criminal organization. But, but the extent that they were willing to go to to simply observe was astounding to us. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an interesting thought when you, when, when you process it in that way, you're not looking to judge, you're not looking to do anything but observe and sort of gather all that information. Um, I guess my question is, how far are you willing to go to, <laughs> to observe, right? Because I mean, when you work with your clients, how far are they willing to go to, to just observe and not immediately fall into the, the trap of judging? I think that's a suit. Well, with the backdrop of that answer of what the CIA did, that's a that's a hard question. I feel like now we need like a, a category one, two, three, four, and five of, of observation. I think I'm at category one with my with my people. We're just trying to move away from the from the labeling. But it's a really interesting process because some people. I mean, we're talking about something personal and about ourselves. What, you know, we are groomed and, you know, sometimes we have this real habit, this track of judging. So to move over from that is often a really big step. But then, of course, when we're talking about enterprise-wide <laughs> uh, institutions, I, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting question. I, I'm like, psh, mind, mind blown on that one. Well, I don't know. How far are you willing to go? I, I guess it depends. How far do you need to go to, to, get the, to get the job done and to meet your objective? Yeah. Well, I think there's... So if, if I'm going to go, let's go into the behavioral science side of things. And so when we we're sort of pre-wired to judge because our brains hate uncertainty, right? And so when, when our brains view uncertainty, we, have, we view it as a threat. It's just biological. It's how, it's how our brains process that information. And so when we're looking at uncertainty, we're sort of predestined to judge it one way or another because our brains want to be certain whether or not we are certainly right or certainly wrong, it doesn't really matter to our brains. It just wants to be certain of something. And so I think that's what makes this practice incredibly difficult is that we are sort of pre-wired from the factory to want to judge that information if that information leaves any sense of uncertainty. So how do you coach your clients to sort of you know, not sort of take that chemical reaction that our brains have of just wanting to judge something that, that perhaps they just need to observe. Well, I think one thing that really helps in moving the needle from judging to observing, and I think that's super interesting and insightful 
um, feedback and information about how we're wired. And it's true. So, right, we always want to block out the uncertainty. Um, the way that it works, the way that I help people move the needle is by giving very specific answers and um, talking through like, okay, what's going on when you're stuck? You know, if we set goals for the week uh, or something like that and, and, um, there, and it's, it's also coupled with, with rituals and, and just like having a physiological routine as well as a psychological routine in the, you know, in the morning with, with writing, right? It's, um, you know, lower carbs, less alcohol, <laughs> less sugar. So you have a stronger body, stronger mind. Um, and so, so that's like number one, hydration is good. Movement is good. All of the, you know, a lot of the regular things that we do in regular life, but sometimes it's a very same exact cup of coffee or cup of tea, same brand of tea, like just really getting into this kind of physiological routine. And then if it breaks down somewhere, um, just talking through. And so I think that the more, like almost I would say by modeling, I do, I can do that part forwards and backwards, the observing, not judging by modeling, because I personally have practiced it so much and I've worked with hundreds of writers. So I see what happens and I know how important it is to get that piece right. It's such a foundational piece of um, productivity for, for writing specifically. Uh, so that, you know, so that is just like a little micro version. Like it's like if I can get you for this hour and a half or two hours a day that you're, you know, owning your morning so you can own your day and then digging into that routine and then just practicing practicing, yeah. practicing, and opening it up and saying, oh, I do that all the time too. Here's how, you know, and making it okay. I think a lot of times writers come in, or I've found in my practice, a lot of times writers come in a little bit anxious or nervous or, you know, remembering that fifth grade teacher that, you know, you know, mangled your paper with red marks everywhere. And I give my clients the opposite experience. I work with people in an opposite way. It's like, you know, I've been in all the different trenches of the that, or many of the trenches anyway that a writer can be in, and so it's like, yeah, it's just normal, you know. Yeah, everybody has a bad day, or sure, you felt stressed, so you ate more carbs, and now today you're more fog, or the next day you're more foggy, so the writing didn't come as well, and just understanding. So I think, I think talking with somebody who really understands that journey from judgment to observation, like in whatever kind of trenches you're in, I think is, a, is really helpful. Because I think that with modeling and having that voice in your head of, hey, it's okay, yep, and it happens, and here's the GPS out of that pattern. So, you know, I, uh, I actually took a different approach when I first saw it. It's probably one of the shortest thoughts that we ever had. I mean, it's three words and yet it, it's pretty powerful and, and maybe to tie the two and, and Brent, you were starting to talk about, you know, judging and, and people to this day are so hypersensitive about judging. It's just the way society is right now. And so, you know, e even more so the PC culture is, you know, you got to make sure you don't judge anybody. And if you do, you're just, you're going to get canceled. You're going to get stomped on. But, you know, you were saying something uh, initially uh, Christina, when you were talking about observing that, that takes time, right? And you ought to be spending a whole lot more time on that. The judging, that final piece, that short piece is 
finite. I agree with you. I think once you sort of make a decision that you're going to judge somebody or something, you've sort of got that locked in. And, you know, I'll just go back for a second from an observation standpoint. I think people that are good at that, this is what makes a good teacher, a good policeman, a good speaker when they are very aware of what's going on around, but then you've got to make sure that you're not jumping to conclusions to, you know, judge the book by the cover and, and, and judge people. And so I, I don't know, when I first heard this quote, it reminded me of um, Jason Bourne, you know, the very first movie where he's sitting in the diner and he's like, you know, I, I see all eight people. I know where they are. I know they're, you know, I know all the license plates of the, the seven cars outside. I know my waitress is left-handed. This guy is 245 pounds and, and can handle himself. And he's going, this is what makes it great, but also scary. And, I guess maybe just to put that question on you again, I know, Brant, you were asking her about in the consulting business. Do you find that you're using this quote, this spending more time on observing, but being very cautious not to judge when you're speaking, when you're uh, putting something down in, uh, in writing where people are going to see that for all time? Oh, I think it's forever a work in progress. I really do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, you know, we can veer back or it can happen um, subconsciously and then, you know, be executed in in a piece that we're doing or something like that. But I do think it's it's, and that's why I call it a practice. It's it's Mm -hmm. really it's 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 something to practice. And I feel like it's one of those things like unlike crunches or squats, the more you do them, the more you want, the more, the more you practice it, the more sorry, you want to you do it. you lost me. What are these words you speak of? Are you referring to the Nestle crunch bar? Because that's that the only crunch Jim is that I familiar know. with. Captain crunch. Yes, yes. That, but Nestle well, that, crunch true. would also work. He knows two crunches. Okay, great. Yes. <laughs> and since we were talking about you know, really being cautious not to judge others. That probably fits in perfectly with our corresponding thought. Hopefully this will work out. You know, Brant, what is our thought that rocks? Well, this is a very special thought, Jim. Why is that? Because I chose it specifically because it had a reference to a night knit. Hmm. A night. I see what you did there. You like that? I did. Okay. It comes from Rochelle Goodrich. And our quote is this. Thoughts that rock number two. Never judge another knight without first knowing the strength and cunning of the dragons he fights. <laughs> Were you uh, watching Game of Thrones? Uh, oh, right? God. It's a little mysterious. Um, makes me want to go put on my chain link armor a little bit and try <laughs> to pull the sword from the stone. But the idea here for me is it, it ties in so perfectly, right? So when we go immediately sort of to the judgment zone, um, you have no idea what that person's going through. You have no idea what they're dealing with. Um, and and it's, it's not fair to judge without all of the information. Uh, it's not fair to judge, period, <laughs> but especially when you don't have all of the context behind what's happening. And I believe that your thought of observe and not judge actually is a great thought to start to, before you uh, react, right? So to me, there's a big difference between responding and reacting. And most of us have a tendency to react because we get emotionally involved. And when we get emotionally involved, we have a tendency to make not the greatest decisions. And so when that happens, um, we lose context 
of what's actually going on with the person that we're dealing with or maybe frustrated with or, or, or judging their situation. But when we're able to observe and perhaps that observation helps us provide more context, then maybe we make sense out of their story to put it in your world. How, how do you think this sort of idea of this second quote leads into to the work that you do with your clients, Christina? Yeah, it, well, it feels to me like it is, it is uh, enhancing it by promoting the idea of information gathering. Um, so at its core. So yeah. I think it, it's a nice compliment to you know, to observe, not judge, and there's dragons involved, and maybe, <laughs> maybe a cool armor and costume. Yes, so that right. is super cool. Cosplay. <laughs> we shouldn't tell her that we're in full cosplay outfits right now. Right now. Yes. yes. <laughs> we switched during the. We always like to dress like our thoughts. <laughs> yes. Oh, good. <laughs> that would be an awesome show. It would. Be. When we go visual, that's what we're doing. Halloween episode. Well, it, it, it's the, it reminds me of uh, when I was doing that training for Stephen Covey, um, and we were doing a lot of stuff with that at Hard Rock. I was a licensed facilitator for them, and I remember a story that they had shared that, and I can't remember if it was a video, but you basically had these kids that were running around on a train, and the father's just sitting there, and everybody else on the train is watching these kids that are unruly running around, just like, holy hell, what, you know, what, what's happening here? And somebody finally said something to the guy and said, is there any way you could control your kids? And he said, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to figure stuff out. Um, my wife had, has just committed suicide and I have not figured out a way to tell the kids yet. And they don't know. And I'm trying to think, how am I going to financially do this and support them and all that? And it's like, it changes the dynamic really fast about how quick we are to judge people reminded me about 15, 16 years ago, I was doing an international conference again at Hard Rock. And, uh, you know, as a good speaker, as you know, Christina, while we're on stage, you know, you really want to have everybody in the palm of your hand. And I remember there was one table that were just not paying attention. They were talking the whole time. There was a little bit of laughter. They had their own thing going on and I was so frustrated. And so I learned over the years to move closer to the table. So this is one of the reasons I became very mobile to get out and about because you can put your hand on somebody you can stand right beside the table and they will feel very uncomfortable very quickly without you having to say anything at all but as i got closer to this table they were getting louder and just constantly talking the whole time and i was like are you kidding me how is this possible and again i'm in an international con conference and what i figured out is once i got over there they were all translating it was a group of uh, Japanese franchisees. None of them understood English and somebody was translating and they were very intently listening to everything I said. And it just changed my whole mindset. And I just, I remember going forward, you know, unless it really was somebody who's just being a jack wagon and, and was trying to be funny about stuff. I'm not going to judge people. I'm just going to observe. And if I need to go and, and make a, a, a change, like the thought brand that you just shared, that's what I'm going to do. And I just became a whole lot better at not jumping down, you know, and making a decision to say, well, I'm going to show them and prove them. No, it's just, you, you never know what kind of a uh, situation people are going through. So I just say that because I think this quote is great. And I don't know, Brant, have you had any situations like that before? No. Okay. Christina, <laughs> <laughs> he's always wanted to do that. 
<laughs> Sorry, we always we always get on each other for guests that give one word answers and don't don't yes. actually. So and for once, I wanted to be that, that was me. Yes. That was me. Of course. Yeah. Look, I think that um, type A personalities. Thank you, alphas. We have a tendency to to quickly make judgment, right? Um, and I think that in some cases it serves you well um, because in leadership, sometimes you have to make quick judgment calls and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're not. Um, but the idea here is if you are to go back to Christina, she's, I'm going to tie this in mm -hmm. such a nice, this is like, I'm waiting. This for is it. a Bloomingdale's mm -hmm. bow. Are you ready for this? Such a tease, but keep going. Ooh, okay. I'm so ready. We're ready. If you develop the practice of constantly observing why are you looking right at me while you say this? Well, because maybe somebody needs to hear it in this room. <laughs> if you make it a practice of constantly observing, then you find yourself knowing the strength and cunning of those dragons because you're not oblivious to them. You see those dragons. Mm -hmm. And when you see those dragons, Jim, <laughs> it enables you to truly, truly observe and not judge. I don't see it. If there was a mic, you could drop it. I'd be dropping it in this room on this carpet. You wouldn't hear it, but it would be more demonstrative than. Mm -hmm. so, um. so, Christina, <laughs> um, just just sort of wrap up. I know we talked about your book here that came out in uh, in January, and you are out there as uh, as a screenwriter. And I know this book is really sort of a you know, a, a confluence of things that you wanted to put out to everybody to just see how they could learn from that lifestyle. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And then we'll, we'll sort of wrap up as to where people could find out more about you and, and grab your book. Sure. And sorry, did you, I want to make sure I understood the question. Were you asking for me to tell you more about the book? Sure. Yes. Let's start there. Oh, all I'm right. I'm still looking up confluence. So go ahead. <laughs> I, I love looking up Jack confluence. It's just such a great word. Oh my God. Lots Thank of great you. vocabulary here. Gentlemen's gentlemen's um, champagne words. Love it. So the Hollywood approach is it's really a system of thinking and problem solving. And so what I do is I take pe people through the same exact steps that I use to create a hero or heroine story on screen or in a script. And I have designed exercises and broken it down so that we can all apply that to our real life, our real lives. Uh, and I got the idea after uh, I was stuck for a couple years, for a few years, 10 years actually, I developed panic attacks in the water, um, kind of out of nowhere. And um, I was stuck. I'm like, how do I solve this? And they were getting de increasingly debilitating to the point where I was afraid my next thing would be I wouldn't be able to take a shower without having a panic attack. So mm. it got pretty serious. Um, so I had to make a big decision. And my big decision was to come to the uh, this place called 27 Waterfalls. And guess what? Jump in all those waterfalls to try to break up the circuitry in my noodle. Holy shit. <laughs> Sorry. Right, that we got, we got the dictionary out. That is a word <laughs> I'm literally going to use. That was beautiful it's not chartreuterie if uh, that's what you oh, <laughs> dang it i thought for sure it's not it a, cheese a cheese board, board. Oh, no damn it. no she used that she just that she just blew confluence out of the water and I that's why holding that. that's why she is that's her she mic drop is. moment that's yes. it yes 
Christina. The <laughs> Still there? We and haven't lost I think her terms would be and seen. Yes. <laughs> Seriously, Christina, where can people get a hold of you? Where do you want us to send them? You can find some goodies at christinapater.com backslash goodies. And you can find me on all the socials at Christina Pater. Kept it super simple. Just, just my name, LinkedIn, Facebook. Love it. Love it. That's Insta. great. Mm-hmm. Well, we're so honored that uh, you were able to step in. I know, uh, again, just some backstory for everybody. We probably tried to do this two or three times and, and we had some tech issues one time and, and just had to delay it. And finally, we got you on the show. So we're so thankful that you just spent a little bit of time and uh, shared those nuggets of wisdom with our audience. Thank you. So much fun to be here. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. You got it. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Rock on. All right. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. Yeah, and if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on! Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.